Welcome! Welcome to another year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Now I'd like to say a few words, uh, before we all become too befuddled by our excellent feast of delicious nerd talk. I have a few start-of-term notices I wish to announce. First years, please note the dark forest of non-canon fanfiction over-sexualizing friendships is strictly forbidden to all students. Also, our caretaker, Mr. Pertigera, has asked me to remind you that the third-floor corridor of Neville Longbottom and Luna Lovegood haters on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a most painful death. On a lighter note, please see Ethan Coe, the Quidditch captain for Gryffindor, who is looking for a new seeker. Our current seeker is fighting he who must not be named. Lastly, I am pleased to welcome a few new professors of Herbology, Muggle Studies, and Defense Against the Dark Arts today. Hmm. I'll let them introduce themselves. Until then, this is Truly Universal. It's Truly Universal, not Truly Universal. Hi, hello everybody. Welcome back to Truly Universal, the School of Fandoms and Theology, the podcast where we look at all things Catholic in another universe. Today, we are looking into the wonderful, magical, wizarding world of Harry Potter with your veteran professors, myself, Professor Argolis, and of course, Professor Imperador. We'll introduce some new faces, starting with... Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Venus. I'm a... just... A down old fun nerd who loves all things Harry Potter and other nerdy things. And that's me. What's up? Hey. Next we have Sean. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sean. And um, I'm on. I'm excited to be here today. Um, for, for those of you who also listen to uh, Famine Fed podcast, you might remember me from the bread episode where... I, I won against Rents at the end in our little bread trivia contest. And uh, Rents, if you're listening, and I know you're listening, you still owe me that uh, pun de chocolat. Yes, if you don't uh, remember, it's Sean, as in Sean DeSaul. Also, if you are wondering how he got on this episode, we have an audition tape that Father Rayar sent us of Sean in a donut shop <laughs> no. talking about Hufflepuff. No. I mean, what? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Vilma? Hi, I'm Velma. I am actually a huge fan of Truly Universal. Um, I've listened to majority of all the episodes so far. I think I'm missing like two or three. Um, so huge fan, super excited. I have a lot of more emotions I can express, but I'm trying not to. But <laughs> I'm just excited for today. Thank you all three of you for joining us today. We're so excited um, to have you here. Uh, honestly, like I love Harry Potter. I do. Do I know all the trivia? Could I tell you what sweater that uh, Hermione was wearing in like the third movie? No, I couldn't tell you. But I do love Harry Potter. I knew I do know general things. But I know the three of you, our guests, are absolute experts, and so I'm excited um, to learn things that maybe I didn't know before. Uh, but before we go dive into all the heavy questions, we're just gonna quickly just like fandom vomit. Uh, 
and talk about what's your favorite book or character. Maybe we'll go. We'll we'll start with that. Or actually, no, we'll start with what house are you in? Well, um, I'm a. I always jokingly say I'm a Hufflepuff in Gryffindor clothing. Um, I I sort I got sorted as a Hufflepuff, and but all my life I had been raised to think and be a Gryffindor, and then it was a lie. And then I <laughs> understood what Hufflepuff actually reps, which is very much ride or die. And then I don't feel so bad. Dope. Hufflepuff, very underrated house. How about you, Ian? Oh, I got. I keep retaking my quiz, and I keep ending up with the same thing. And it's a Slytherin. And I, I never, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I guess. So you're a Slytherin in what clothing, though? Because she's a she's a Hufflepuff in Gryffindor clothing. So would you say you have like a oh house that you Ravenclaw clothing? I guess. But I, I think deep down. Deep down, I'm a Slytherin. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. And that's fine. I know many Slytherins, Catholic Slytherins out there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, green, silver. You know, I I talk to snakes all the time in my life. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I tell you that. (laughs) Uh, Sean? Ireland, you can ask them to. Sean, please save us. Oh, hey, everyone. So uh, I also want to rep Hufflepuff House. I was sorted. I I took the test. I took the the old, the uh, Pottermore test, uh, the original one, and the new one with the new app and things like that. And both times I was sorted to Hufflepuff. Yeah, I'm a proud Hufflepuff. Like, you know, many, there are many celebrities out there. And uh, Hufflepuffs, like in the early mid, early to mid two thousands, if you kind of went online at the time, and they were all kind of apologetic, like you Hufflepuffs kind of had a like an inferiority complex in the beginning, where you you meet someone else and you have to like kind of apologize and then like defend Hufflepuff. Um, but now, because you know Newt Scamander is a Hufflepuff, um, Cedric Diggory mm. is a Hufflepuff. So Hufflepuffs are getting, you know, they're going up there. And um, J.K. Rowling even said that she wished that she was Hufflepuffs. And she said that the world, I believe it was her, um, the world needs more Hufflepuffs. And so I'm one of them right here. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Vilma? Um, I am also a proud Hufflepuff. Um, Growing up when I was little, though, I did want to be Gryffindor badly, but that's also because I had a major crush on Ron. (laughs) So um, I was just like, he's Gryffindor. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I was a Harry fan. See, I liked both, and I was like, if Ron is a Gryffindor, I will be, I will join the Weasleys. Like, I was so down for it, but then. I took the quiz and then I was sorted to Hufflepuff. So I was mad. And then um, as time moved on, I accepted my fate as a Hufflepuff. And I actually retook the quiz last night before today. Um, I just wanted to see to make sure that everything's like all sorted or like, I don't know if I have to reevaluate my identity, but um, still a Hufflepuff uh, wearing yellow because I don't have a tire, but I do have yellow items to represent my house. So <laughs> nice. Dope, dope. So we got three Hufflepuffs. Yeah, we have a cozy common room and probably the best snacks because our common room is by the kitchen. So <laughs> you're yeah. right. You're you're totally right. I'm actually in the same boat as Ian, where I every I every year I take 
the Pottermore quiz to see if I will not be Slytherin again. But since I was 12 years old, I have been Slytherin. But I always tell people I'm Ravenclaw (laughs) because that's what I feel like I identify with. But no, every time I take Pottermore, even when I try to get Ravenclaw, I always get Slytherin because it knows. It knows where I'm really at, I guess. So I suppose the ambition is strong in me. Uh, okay, so houses, we got three Hufflepuffs. We got two Slytherins in who will want to be Ravenclaws, <laughs> uh, assuming because of the books part. Uh, and how about Patronus? I want to know y'all's Patronus. I am a Nightjar. So a Nightjar is the British, the European version of a Nightingale. Hmm. Um, although in previous tests, I would test to be a rabbit, which is also pretty darn funny. So I just go, mm, I'll just, I'll take the Nightjar because I'm a night owl by trade. Yes, mm. thank you. Uh, Vilma, let's go Vilma. Um, I, when I took the quiz yesterday, I was told I was a tokenese cat. Um, so I never thought about my Patronus, um, to be honest. And then when I did it yesterday, I was like, I must know. I also must know what kind of wand I would own <laughs> if I was. Um, but yeah, I, I, mine was a tokenist cat and I was interested because I'm not, I like cats, but I can't have them because I'm allergic. So I was like, huh, I guess that kind of mm-hmm. works with my allergies because it's my Patronus. Yeah. Can't smell yourself <laughs> as a Patronus. <laughs> Sean, how about you? Oh, uh, my Patronus, it, the first time I took the quiz, it was, I think I also got the the cat as well. And then I took it again and I got a dolphin. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take the dolphin. I see you as a dolphin, Sean all. I see you as a dolphin. How about you, Ian? I, uh, I just took the quiz. I got a doe. I'm annoyed. Because <laughs> I, I don't really... I can see it. I don't really like Snape, but whatever. <laughs> So I hate my got... fellow Slytherins. Wow. <laughs> Don't most Slytherins hate their fellow Slytherins? <laughs> I have to show that I'm better than all of them. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. The ambition. So we have we have a night jar, which is also Nightingale in America. We have a we have a dolphin. We have a, a cat. We have a doe. I actually also took it right before this, the same time I also took a last minute uh, housing quiz, just in case. Uh, I got a polar bear. I'd much rather have a polar bear. That's like, I was ecstatic. You don't understand. I made noises. I jumped around. I was so happy because that was my favorite animal. And my puppy looks like a polar bear. He's part Samoyed. That is why. Uh, And so I was hyped. So we got some interesting Patronuses here. I'm glad that we all have um, unique ones from each other. How about, let's talk about our favorite our favorite characters or favorite book. You can choose, either or. So I need to make a confession. <laughs> I grew up with the movies first instead of the books because my family was very much like ABC Family showing the marathon for free. On the 25 mm. days of Christmas versus yeah. paying $10 for a book series of eight books. So I yeah. actually grew up right. watching all of the films and I rewatched like the marathon and stuff. But I, I, I honestly like only read like the first two. And then when I was younger, I bought the whole series again because that's what I was planning to do for quarantine. But like I read multiple articles on Pottermore and like a bunch of conspiracy theories on YouTube. So that's where most of my knowledge is from. <laughs> but I'm just being honest when I say when I yeah. mention of my favorite characters and my favorite movie really would classic what it be. Hufflepuff move. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be honest right now. I did cheat. <laughs> 
I must be honest. (laughs) That is my trait is loyal and honesty. So, um, I love it. We love it. So that's, so as with that, with that (laughs) segue, um, Growing up, I liked Goblet of Fire, but again, it was because of Ron, and I just liked how his hair was. <laughs> but as I rewatched it this past weekend, I have to say the Half-Blood Prince is my favorite, um, because Snape is actually my favorite character, though he may be a Slytherin. Um, <laughs> I enjoy him and his character development. Um, through it all because obviously like growing up I just thought he was like this evil dude that just hated Harry and wanted to just destroy Dumbledore in every type of possible way and then as you progress you're just like oh he's playing both sides but he has a side that he's on and it's because of his love for Lily um so Mm -hmm. seeing the Half-Blood Prince and seeing those parts of his memory as well as just seeing the fact that he also was um I'm like, I know it's considered like a curse word in the wizarding world, but a mudblood. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, half wizard, half muggle. And muggle is also known for, you know, humans in the wizarding world, if anyone doesn't know um, who's listening. And so the fact that that's what he is and he uses that term to consider himself and not saying like that hurtful word of a mudblood. He says he's the half blood prince. I think it's it's pretty awesome because I'm just like, yes, own to what you are and not be ashamed of it. And if people want to be all bashy about it, you'll be like, no, because I am a prince and that is what I am. And then after knowing that, mm-hmm. every time I see Hermione, I'm just like, girl, you a princess is what you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what Draco says. Hey, queen, amen, amen. Can we get some snaps? <laughs> These are snaps if you don't understand. I, I can't snap. <laughs> I rub my fingers together. Thank you, Velma. Thank you so much. You know, what? we're not we're not elitists here. We're not we're not gatekeeper type uh, fandoms. You know, like if you came in with the movies, that's totally fine. It's like us being, you know, welcoming of muggles in the wizard world. You know, it's like, you know, like we're all equal. We, we get there. I mean, we all got the wizarding thing going on and we're all welcome. So thank you so much for um, bringing that up. Yeah. Snape is another underrated character. Classic Hufflepuff. Just seeing the underrated people and loving them. Um, so we'll go with Venus next. You ready? Um, so I'm my favorite, actually, and it, and it also ties to my favorite book too. So my favorite character is Remus Lupin. Mm. I love Professor Lupin. I love that you know he's he's a good man, but has suffered many um, like broken. He suffered brokenness in no so many ways, um, but he shines the most in Order mm. of the Phoenix. And that's my favorite book because fight the power and (laughs) stand up to the man. And that's all of Order of the Phoenix. And not in a like crazy break everything political way, but just more in the sense of, well, we stand up for what is right. We're not just going to sit down and, you know, let you treat us badly. Totally. Thank you. Order of the Phoenix is actually my favorite book, too. My first time ever pulling an all-nighter as a middle schooler was reading Order of the Phoenix all night through. Nice. And I, I love that, too. And I think that it definitely explains, like, my social justice background, why I'm a social justice teacher now, um, is because of that book and, 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 you know, amongst other things, right? And so we'll go with Sean next. My favorite book is actually um, uh, Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone. I like I like the introduction i like the first ones i even like in in the um tolkien i like i like the hobbit i like you know where you're just introduced to this new world because as 
Harry is seeing Diagon Alley and Hogwarts for the first time, we're also seeing it for the first time as well. So you tr- you really get that sense of wonder of like, you know, you like Harry wants to kind of go around and explore. You also want to go around and explore as well because it's it's brand new to to you as well. So um, I like the first book. Definitely, definitely. Good choice. The world building of Harry Potter, just actually immaculate through the books and the movies. Stay with your roots. Ian? Um, I like <laughs> Gellert Grindelwald. <laughs> Uh, the most powerful Dark Lord. Uh, I think, you know, as a, I, I look up to him as a, as a Slytherin. Uh, and he wasn't a Dark Lord that was corrupted. Well, he was corrupted. But let's, let's, I've read a theory that he is more powerful than Voldemort was. But Voldemort's more evil. Okay. So because whereas Grindelwald had love, like on some level, like, like deep friendship, I would say. Um, which I think he drew some power from. And Voldemort feared love in some level. Like he was, you know, a- after all of his Horcruxes are gone, what does he look like? Remember, anyone saw it, see it in that last film? What, what did he look like? Like an undeveloped thing, right? Like he never really mm-hmm. developed. Um, he just wanted power, and he was just straight up evil. So, so he feared death. So that's why he split his soul several times. I mean. Grindelwald was like, you know what? I'm going to go conquer death. I'm going to become a friend of death. I'm going to get all the Deathly Hallows. Like, that was his. That was his first plan. Like, or you know, that was, um, and like you know, Voldemort tried to read his mind, but he couldn't. So, and he was friends with Dumbledore. But uh, I can admire the skill. I don't like that he was evil, but I admire his skill. He's <laughs> the most powerful. <laughs> Dark you can admire the skill of evil people. You know? It's it's, it's good, weird. Bad. I know it's weird. Bad, good. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's well crafted. Horrible, but well crafted. <laughs> you know, honestly, I love the evil characters and like K dramas <laughs> and like shows more, just because I'm like, oh gosh, the development and just like the sass and just like all of that. Respect. I fear you. Respect. Villains are also <laughs> underrated. I'm also a fan of most villains. <laughs> Definitely. They all have a story. Um, so we, got our, we talked about our, our houses, our Patronus, our favorite books, our favorite characters. Mine is actually Luna Lovegood. She's weird. And I enjoy that. And she sees people on a level that no one else does. You know, it's like she can read people and she uses that for good. And like, she's just like, she's not afraid to be herself. She's completely unapologetically Luna Lovegood. <laughs> I'm not sure if we want to do this question, but do we want to talk about maybe what's your favorite lines from Harry Potter? Just like one-liners. Mine will always be when the memory of Dumbledore and Snape before he sends the Patronus of the Doe to Harry to find the sword of Gryffindor, where he said, even after all this time, and he says always. And it just, it, it really, like... It broke my heart in like a sad way, but also in the like, I understand like his pain that like, even though he suffered, especially after the loss of like, he suffered honestly to the very beginning. And like, especially after Lily married um, James, (laughs) it was just like to see the love of your life, you know, go to somebody else and then to see her be murdered um, and to go see her that, you know, it took a lot of guts for him to be like, I'm going to watch over your son now. Like, we were best friends. I was in love with you. Yeah, even though you went somewhere in a different path, like, I'm still having this connection to you and I'm, I'm going to watch over your kid. And, you know, his love and devotion to Lily never changed. 
Um, like he even like became a Death Eater to like find ways to destroy Voldemort from the inside out to avenge um, all of that. And it's just that's the line I always think about. I had a phone case of it for a very long time. So, <laughs> how many people out there have the tattoo of always? <laughs> Not you in here, but out there in the audience. That's going to listen to this later on. <laughs> um, anyone else like to share your favorite lines? Um, my favorite is what Dumbledore tells Harry um, in the vision after Deathly Hollows, after he makes the sacrifice. Um, he says, do not fear the dead, fear the living and those who do not know love. And do not, um, yeah, and those who do not know love. Um, because tell me that's not like the realest thing anyone has ever experienced and that there are people who walk through life even today who fear love and fear life more than they fear death. And that's not truly living a life at all. So Sean, my favorite line is actually in, uh, in the train when Ron first just, you know, finds out who his, um, cabin mate is on the train. Um, it's the famous Harry Potter, and and he sees the scar, and Ron says, "Wicked," and I think I think he says, "Bloody hell," at at some point in that in that scene too. Um, I like it because, and it's memorable. It sticks out to me. It's because, to me at least, that's the first kind of moment where it's really obvious that this is not. A U.S. film, and these are not U.S. characters, um, because those are things in our in our speech and our lexicon that, that we don't say here. We don't say "wicked" or "bloody hell." Um, so it kind of it's it's a little bit of a shock. It's like, oh, we're we're in another part of the world. This is another an, another culture, um, and it, it was fun to kind of see that difference and to kind of. Um, and just really enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. They're on a train. Enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you. Ian? Um, I mean, just for the, for the laughs. Um, from the book, he goes, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? Like, calmly. Dumbledore oh, yeah. reacts calmly. <laughs> and then the movie goes, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? <laughs> Dumbledore looked like he wanted to, like, fight Harry in the movie when I, I re-watched it and I was just like I was scared for myself I was scared as if I was Harry because I was just like I would not know how to act if this tall like six foot man with this big beard would come at me and be like did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire I'm like I don't know maybe who knows <laughs> who knows what's a Goblet of Fire I don't what is that <laughs> yeah yeah it's um yeah that that well and if I wanted to be deep I guess um no you know what well, no okay fine fine I'll, I'll be i'll be deep i'll be deep um <laughs> words are in my not so humble opinion our most inexhaustible source of magic capable of both inflicting injury and remedying it Snaps. well and really like you know for us christians right the word is the inexhaustible magic right so i mean but uh, but I will always default. Did you put your name in the Heart of Fire? Harry? <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. To, we should do that for That's students like, when we teach. <laughs> Just randomly, like what? Did you put your name on your paper? Because <laughs> they don't have the time. <laughs> we should use it as a meme. Like when you like when you're writing a paper, 
Did you put your name on your paper? <laughs> <laughs> it's no name, That's no credit in my class. <laughs> I'd say my favorite, and this is to be funny, but also deep, is, and I talked about this before we started recording, but when uh, Mrs. Weasley uh, goes to Bellatrix and is like, that's my daughter, you be. Because it's like, one, it's like, it's a shocker because Mrs. Weasley is just like this sweet woman this whole time who's just like taking care of everyone and just like feeding Harry and like yelling at Ron and his, her kids. Um <laughs> But at that moment, it's like, I think for me, like this, like the first time I watched it at that moment, it kind of hit because it's like, yeah, Harry, like we started this journey with Harry, Ron and Hermione, and they've been fighting this battle for as long as they've been at Hogwarts. And then you remember how long their parents have been fighting this battle. And then you remember how badly they want an end to Voldemort too. And how many more people they've lost in the life that they've ha- they've lived twice as long as these kids. And so that part hit home because it's like she's probably lost like fr- so many friends. And she's like, no, not my daughter. Like Bellatrix, you've killed so many people. You've hurt so many people, but not my blood, not my daughter. And so like that part like really hit me like I'm not a mom. I mean, I'm, I'm a mom to a puppy. But, you know, like it's like I could imagine like my mom feeling that way if I was a wizard. <laughs> and so yeah like good lines everyone good lines everyone. so many good tattoo options um and let's go to my my favorite segment that i like to do when i host tu podcast we're gonna go to the would you rather segment uh our first would you rather question would you rather be a pure blood wizard you grew up in the wizarding world you know what everything is um, you know what Quidditch is. You grew up watching it. You wanted to go to Hogwarts forever. Or would you rather be a muggle-born who, like, all of this is kind of just, like, new to you? Like, like Hermione or, like, Harry, where it's, like, this is a surprise. Like, you're learning all these things while you're at Hogwarts. Um, so which one would you rather be? Would you ha- rather have grown up with it? And it's kind of, like, with religion, too. Like, with, like, growing up Catholic. Like, would you rather, like, grow up Catholic or, like, be a convert? Uh, <laughs> So, what are your thoughts? I would rather come from a pure blood family um, because uh, being Hufflepuffs, and you know, hopefully, or you know, assuming that both my parents were also Hufflepuffs, there there are zero witches or wizards who went to the dark side that came from Hufflepuff house. Zero. And okay. uh, that's right. Okay. Right. And, and so, right. And so, and so, Slytherin. Here we go. Source of pride for me to know that no one in my family, uh, we were all awful false, which I don't know if that happens. Um, went went to the dark side, and you know, you you take a look at that that scene where the students rise up to fight, right? Or, you know, Slytherin, uh, Professor McGonagall sends all of Slytherin house to the dungeons where they could be kept safe and they, you know, they can't interfere with anything. Um, some of the Ravenclaws uh, and and a lot of the Gryffindors stay, um, but um, most of the Hufflepuffs stay. And um, they choose to stay and fight because... It's the right thing to do. 
uh, versus some maybe some of the Gryffindors have like ties to Harry or they kind of have a kind of bravado to their character. Um, but even though we may not be the best at fighting, Hufflepuffs know when to fight and, and we do it for the right reasons. Ride or die, Hufflepuffs. I think I would like to be Muggleborn and then be given the gift of being able to go to Hogwarts. Um, so I would like kind of want to pull him or Hermione because <laughs> um, I guess the way that I see it, because you mentioned the um, growing up Catholic or being a convert. Um, I, I mean, I grew up Catholic, but I left the faith for like a few years and then I came back and then I saw how I was able to develop in that way. And I think if I was like muggle born and then I went to Hogwarts and like I learned all of those things, I feel like I would be I would want to use what I learned there and try to find a mend where both can live equally, because there's always like there's that fight that like. They have to hide their, the wizards have to hide their identity when they're over in the public, um, in the muggle world, and that they can't be themselves or they can't use magic, obviously, if you're under the age of 17 and all of these um, things. And it's just kind of like, if I, I feel like if I was muggle born and I went to Hogwarts, I would try to find a way that whatever group would work on that, <laughs> I would like probably join and find a way to like have like equality and like peacefulness within the two worlds. Definitely. You'd either be like Mr. Weasley, who also studies muggle artifacts, or you'd be like Professor, I think Professor Charity, who does the muggle studies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, that's dope. How about, let's hear from Venus. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, yes and no. So I'm a little bit of half and half. So I'm being the convert. <laughs> being a convert to the church is kind of like that same argument. Well, what if I had been born into the Catholic faith and had the whole like traditions and confirmations and Easter and the whole kit and caboodle versus experiencing it later in life, knowing another life outside of Catholicism. It, it's kind of that weird toss up. If I have to choose... I would actually rather be a muggle-born because for the same reason Sean mentioned why the Philosopher's Stone is his favorite book, you get that discovery. And, you know, I will, like, and, and the continuous discovery. So as I'm continuing to learn and grow in my faith, it's like, oh, that's a thing. Or, oh, candle moss is actually, you know, you're supposed to have candles at candle moss. Yo, that's a thing. Or, oh, hey, Christmas is 13 days. Yes, please. Like, <laughs> you know, these are all these wonderful, beautiful things. And so I would be totally down with, oh, Diagon Alley. Heck yeah, let's go. Or, um, like, you know, please, Please don't ever let me ever, ever, ever go kick it in like the main hall of Hogwarts because I would never leave there or the library. One of those two places. I would never leave those two spaces because I just want to just be there. Snacks and, just, and books. Yeah, Snacks girl. Books. Girl, yes. Books all day. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you guys see my library in this house right now? Oh, Lord. Um, but like <laughs> it's it's that same kind of space. So if I had to choose, I'd go Muggleborn. But I also have that same headspace of, but what if I were pure blood? What if Quidditch was my life, was life, not basketball? <laughs> you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Dope. Thank you. Ian? Pure blood. Because most Slytherins are dark wizards. I would be proud of a family that did not become dark wizards. <laughs> Slytherin, we'd be hey. the rare exception. Um, <laughs> I'd probably be, you know, in a... And and Slytherin, you know, families would have uh, generational wealth, which is an interesting concept. 
to have. Something to have. Haymaker families would be, don't have would that. Would be fantastic. <laughs> like that would that would be great to have. Like I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I'm just imagining having that. That'd be fantastic. I'm, I'm not even thinking about like the magic part. I'm thinking about like the galleons <laughs> and all, the, like, all that stuff. Going to Gringotts and actually have things. Classic. Classic Wait. Slytherin. Wait, possible cause. Harry was totally rich. He was, he was totally loaded, and he's, her, and he's a Gryffindor. That first episode, because you James, see all that gold. James I'll take the half, whole lot. Just James <laughs> is a pure blood. Anything from the trolley, I'll take the whole lot. I should have said that line. That's a good one. <laughs> and Ron's just like, "OMG!" Eyes like super wide, like, "Oh man." That was me at this uh, mochi donut place in West Berkeley called uh, Third Culture. I was like, I'll take the whole lot. And the person was like, excuse me? I was like, I'll take one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, man. Good job. Okay, thank thank you, everyone. Um, uh, I think it's so hard. I I won't answer the question because I posed the question because I don't have an answer to the question. Um, But definitely, like... Like, I think about what it would be like to grow up in a house like the Weasley house, where, like, all these things are charmed and doing things. But also, I think to myself, would I rather be, like, Ron, who's obviously over it, or Harry, mm. who's just like, what is this world? I never had this. Um, so, d- same thing with, like, Catholicism, too. It's, like, what I hear from a lot of, like, converts. Like, sometimes I feel like I wish I was, like, an adult convert, because then I wouldn't take things in Catholicism for granted. Mm. Like, I'm sure, like, definitely, like, Malfoy took a lot of things about the wizarding world for granted, uh, because he is the player, player blood. Plur blood, <laughs> peace, love, peace unity, love category, <laughs> respect. No, that's okay. Plur blub, plur blub, not just plur blub. Nice. I can't talk straight. Um, next, would you rather question? Would you rather live in the era of Harry Potter or Fantastic Beasts? Harry Potter, oh. definitely. I was, I was not particularly a fan of the of certain aspects of fantastic beasts but definitely harry potter i agree respectable answer. i would i would stay with harry potter um not the, not hating on fantastic beasts there like like sean said like there are some things about it that i, I enjoyed but there are other things where i'm just kind of like uh, i mean i mean understanding grindelwald and then the relationship he had with dumbledore was pretty interesting and stuff but there are some things in um the harry potter world where i'm just like i I don't know. I just can't imagine not being there experiencing like if I was like homies with Harry and like having to be there instead of it being like a trio, it was like all four of us, then I would be so down (laughs) to like, I'm like, he's like, we're going to the Chambers of Secrets. I'm like, bro, let's go. I'm yeah, I will go on that chess piece and I will do what I need to do. (laughs) If that means you can go ahead and destroy one of the Horcrux that you don't know is a Horcrux (laughs) yet. Everything but Aragon's little den of spiders, right? Am I right? I actually, I'm not afraid I'll take of a, spiders. I'll take a basilisk over a giant <laughs> Venus is like, yes, that part. <laughs> Venus, Ian, either I'd go to the world of Harry Potter, uh, mainly because as a Slytherin who's going to try to be good, I'd much rather fight Voldemort because I'd respect Gellert Grindelwald too much. <laughs> I might actually be tempted to join Gellert Grindelwald. <laughs> If I was so, I wouldn't be tempted at all to join Voldemort because of all. I'm like, come on. And he come, has no nose. Bro. You can't trust a like, man with no nose. <laughs> no. Can't smell right. You ain't got no nose. <laughs> <laughs> I can't trust your senses. <laughs> so, so no. Oh, man. <laughs> 
Um, let's see. Well, you know what? Then I'm going to have to be the one that's on the opposite side. I actually am a really big fan of Fantastic Beasts. There is something about the world before the world mm. that mm. I really am fascinated about. So, the like, obviously the rules of secrecy and all that was still a thing, right? Like, guess what it is in Harry Potter, but there's just something about, like, understanding how it came to be and how the modern mm. muggle world that Harry Potter is um, evolved, right? I'm also, not gonna lie, I'm a huge fan of that whole, like, Dumbledore, Grindelwald, like, dynamic side story that was, like, really powerful to me. And then, like, how mm. that plays out in Fantastic Beasts, it's, like, I, it's almost a scene stealer uh, mm. from, like, Newt, who is, like, Yes, Team Hufflepuff. So it was kind of rough because I was like, the Hufflepuff and he's like, yo, stop like trying to derail my bro. But at the same time, I'm super fascinated on how this is going on and the settings are gorgeous. And so it's it's that, that's that would be my headspace is I would go Fantastic Beasts just to see how the world evolves. Because wizards also have longer lifespans than humans. Mm. So food for thought. I think it's also cool in the Fantastic Beasts that it shows you the different parts of the world of their wizarding world, like the Americas and or America mm -hmm. and France. Um, so I thought that was cool because when I was a kid, I only thought it was Hogwarts. Like, I don't know why in my head, I was just kind of like there, the wizarding world doesn't exist anywhere else except here. So I must go, I have to go to England. So I'm like, I have to go to London, take the train and then like, you know, deuces. But like, then you realize that in Fantastic Beasts that America has one. And then Ivermory is the school for those who are like one of the schools for um, wizards. And so it's just like, wow. Like, I think sometimes at this, when I was like learning about, um, Catholicism all over again I there were some times where I was just like oh there's only like a certain amount of Catholics in the U.S. and then you realize that there are so many more all around the world like there are some that have like bigger populations than here and then some that have smaller ones but they're ev they're everywhere like just as much as wizards are like everywhere and they're blended within like normal society and I, I think that's also they're like yeah now I want to change my answer maybe I don't know <laughs> No, that's dope. I would have loved to go to Illumorni though, just mm -hmm. to see what that place looked like because the way she writes it in like the side uh, in the side uh, scripts yeah. is like so gorgeous. And I'm like, ah, I want to go. Can we go? I just like, can I get like the Hogwarts experience in America? Let me get that version. <laughs> I want that. You know, when, like I I totally agree because when Fantastic Beasts came out, I was like, oh, Americans can be a wizard. <laughs> Yeah, I don't bro. have to keep living my life pretending I'm British, even though I still do pick accents, man. Same. It's a, Same. It's a very versatile accent. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, I think I, I fell in love with Fantastic Beasts, like that movie when uh, Newt went into his little briefcase with the mm. little magical creature zoo in there and like how amazing that was. And I was just like, I love this man. I want to be his friend. Hufflepuffs. <laughs> um, both worlds, they, they're so important, Hufflepuffs. <laughs> Says the Slytherin who wants to be a Ravenclaw. Why can't life be fair? Um, so both both movies are both like eras are just really really important to each other, and I, yeah. I love that we start with Harry Potter and that get to Fantastic Beasts because all the name drops, um, all those things like it just continues like building off of this world, and and it makes you feel very much a part of it, um, especially if you're an American audience member. Mm. On to our next. Would you rather? Would you rather be a normal witcher wizard who's just like kind of chilling, taking everything from the whole lot? You're chilling in like the hall. You're not really don't really have much cares in the world, 
or would you rather be one of the witches or wizards that are in the front lines of the war, the war with Voldemort? Like you're part of Dumbledore's army, like you hung out with Hermione, Ron, and Harry all the time. Um, like you're you're right there. Um, you follow the development in person of 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 Ron, of Neville, of all those people. Uh, so would you rather be someone in the background who's just like eating snacks and like chilling, or would you rather be? <laughs> Or would you rather be on the front line? Front line, du- hands front down. Line, a double agent, baby. Double yeah. agent. <laughs> oh, double agent, baby. <laughs> I knew it. Rins. I thought so. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So you're, you're, you're talking <laughs> like as if we're students, not if as if we've already graduated. Oh, yeah. If you were... Um, <laughs> any, any graduation, not turning back. Or witch in the world. Oh. Uh, I think I would... So you don't have to just be students. Oh. Then I, I think I would be one, one of the ordinary... Um, people, which wizard, um, but I would be like, you know, secretly helping the cause. Like I, I see myself mm. as a uh, like working at the Ministry of Magic, you know, serving on the Wizen Gamut, you know, because you need mm. people to build coalitions mm. there. You need people like, oh, if I hear something, I can mm. like send the info. You know, I'll be your source. I'll be your your Ministry of Magic source. You know, and I'll tell you all the info, mm-hmm. all the things that I've been hearing and things like that. So that's how I would help the cause. That's awesome. Definitely an important role, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like when you look at biblical commentary, like the people that aren't named are just as important as mm-hmm. the prophets mm-hmm. and the people the prophets are addressing directly. Right. Like amen, amen. be the people that are helping the the miracles happen. Right. OK, thank you. That ends our Would You Rather segment. I loved all your answers. They're very interesting. <laughs> I loved how unique everyone's answers were um, because sometimes you could do what you rather's and everyone's like, oh, ditto. And I'm just like, this is a podcast, bro. <laughs> so next, we're going to go into the, the Catholic stuff, right? The Catholic Christian stuff. Uh, and so in true, truly, true, truly universal, fa- in truly universal fashion, <laughs> we're going to look at what Jesus would be in this universe. Jesus oh. came to save all. Jesus came into the flesh of those that he was saving. So would Jesus be a muggle or a wizard? And what house would he be if he was a wizard? And what do you think his Patronus would be? Oh, that's a hard question though. Muggle. Muggle. Yeah, see, like if we're going like by facts, facts that like, I would say muggle because he was man. But then I would also think if he was like a wizard because he is also God. And so it's just like, you know, people look at Vol- Mold- Vol- uh, Lord Voldemort as if he is like that, but it's just like, nah, bruh, like, that's not how it works. And, like, you have God, and, like, I guess, like, he would be of, like, that immense, like, mercy and love that he has, and, like, he would give to his people, and he would obviously use his powers for the goodness of um, his creation. Um, but then if we're going, like, to, like, I would say muggle because... I mean, he is man, so I'm just. But also, it'd be cool if he was a wizard. So <laughs> he would. Um, but as a muggle, that were as a muggle who had no magical people in their family. So you know, I, magic is a trait to some extent that's inherited. Um, mm-hmm. But as a muggle coming from the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he could perform all these miracles apart from what the world at the time knew as magic, that would be like, that would show his divinity even more mm. um, versus like, Oh, I, I multiply bread. Like, okay, what charm did you use? I'm like, no, I didn't use no mm. charm. 
I'm gone. <laughs> I, um, I thought it, and it happened. So, so we'd say the muggle-born, the muggle-born will visit, visit, visit. A muggle. Yeah, I. But I, he, I think he, he wouldn't show his powers in a wizard way. He mm. wouldn't use wands. He wouldn't use True. words. Um, he would he use, use material things in a way that would be he did foreign use words. He to. Just said earlier. Well, okay, it, would, it would be words. foreign to like, not, not not like a, not like spell words. Like he wouldn't. Yeah. Know, but like you, he, he would. He just uses things like, open up. <laughs> like, like, uh, wake up. You know, I wake up. Would use Latin or something. Wash. Yeah. Those kind of those kind of words, not spells. Not spells. Right. Covenant. Well, I mean, kind of just as a quick thing, like an aside, like the people who did alchemy, I think I mentioned this before when we did the alchemist episode, full full male alchemist, not the alchemist, the book by Paulo Coelho, but the full full male alchemist in the history of alchemy, many alchemists thought that the Eucharist was the highest form of alchemy. And you know the the you know transubstantiation, and so it was like it was an in, in imitation of what, what they know that God can do it, but but like like we can't as humans. So now, if he was a wizard, what do you all think? Because that I know I was thinking, what house would Jesus be in for sure? You're like a mix of two. I'm going off of uh, what's it? What's it? Can anything good come from? You know, from, we, we, Nazareth. from Nazareth, from no, Nazareth, you can't right? judge it. I mean, and so, and so, like, what, what, what's the common thing? Can anything good come from Slytherin? Yeah, mm. Jesus Christ, son. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, hold on, wait, because he, hold on, I have, I have, wait, no, <laughs> I'm gonna start with no, because I, well, I, just because Jesus is ambitious, that's a big thing. Jesus was not ambitious. He he burned for our souls, but it wasn't like. Yo, I'm trying to get your souls. Let's go. Things to do. Kind of <laughs> difference, right? Like I mean, it depends yeah. on what you say. <laughs> true, true. But the father's will. I totally see him as a raven, yeah. though. I totally see him as a Ravenclaw, like all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he would just because he's got that kind of he's chill and he's got that kind of wisdom, but he and, and he allows his power to just be like for people to come to him. Right mm-hmm. versus like all the other houses, they'd be like, "Yo, Huffles, Gryffindors, Slytherins," and then Ravens are like, "Yeah, we are gonna be over here in the corner. You know, you want to come over and talk to us? You just holler at us, kind of deal." And that's very more very like meek, yeah, very more Jeez. meek and humble style, which could also make the argument for him being a Hufflepuff. But that, yeah, you know? but that's that's a Hufflepuff, yeah, that's a Hufflepuff kind of thing. I mean, true, but you know, the wisdom is where I'm kind of leaning more Ravenclaw versus Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think Jesus is too multifaceted. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He'd be all of them. The sorting hat would be like he'd be a professor. The sorting hat would be like be a professor. You are God. <laughs> you should be sorting me. <laughs> okay, say that. Say that louder, please. Please sort me, Lord. Please sort me. Yeah. Sort me, Lord. And then, and then, and then Jesus, would say, Jesus would say, "Yeah, you know, this is to fulfill all righteousness." I'm like, okay. New house, a lamb. Oh <laughs> <laughs> dang! Oh dang! I, I feel like Jesus would be like either like a Luna Lovegood, like I think character like a Luna Lovegood, or like some big like Neville energy. You know what I mean? Just Definitely like Neville. Out, Neville. Yeah, Neville. Big Neville energy. Neville energy. I go with that. I accept that. I accept that as partial canon. Um, <laughs> I would say Gryffindor. Gryffindor definitely for Jesus. That that servant leadership. Um. Mm. The sacrificing himself for others, um, 
Lion in of the Judah. Small mm-hmm. and in the yeah, the lion, exactly. Um so I I totally I totally would see Jesus in the Gryffindor house. Can I make an argument though that he could just be a professor at the gate and just be like Dumbledore-ish yeah. kind of except for the redemption like except for the like making some really big mistakes later in life but like you know Okay. Um, so like he like never yeah. he gets in a sorting hat and he'd be like, You are not in a house, you're a professor, you're the professor yeah, yeah, of the yeah. dark arts. No, I think so, right. Mary and Joseph <laughs> homeschooled him. He didn't go to school. There you go. They homeschooled <laughs> him. I could see that. Totally see that. Mm-hmm. I'm with that. Vilma, any thoughts? Um, I am like between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor. Um, I think mainly for the trait of bravery from Gryffindor, because it took a lot from God to um because even him like he was human right so he even was like um he like he knew that he was gonna die but it's not like he didn't feel that that like you know that oh my gosh like I'm gonna go and die on the cross tomorrow for everybody um and the agony in the garden right so like um and then the fact that you know he he knew what he had to do and he was just like I have to do this so I I I think of Neville like right when we were talking about it like Neville was like that his character development to be brave and then when I think of Hufflepuff I think of loyalty because God is loyal to us in many many ways um that you know that we are sinners and we shouldn't be but we sin more than sometimes we should be doing and are turning our backs on him but he is always there and he is always loyal to us um and his love and his mercy that he gives and whatever the sense is and you know it's always like that prodigal son type of feel that like god's like yeah you walked away but like here are my arms and open wide and i'm gonna take you back home and you know that's not gonna change um, so I'm like between both houses, but then like I see the Ravenclaw because of the wisdom, because he is quite wise. <laughs> um, I don't know about Slytherin. I kind of want to like help you. It's like it's in vouch, but then I'm like, eh, I, I just Draco Malfoy is an example that pops in my head and I'm not for it <laughs> or like Lucius. I, I think in the sense of like God is in, in the sense it would be like, cause he's surprising because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. god god is surprising like he chose something that's like so out of out there for you know we, we're post-christian so we're like well well it's not not we but like the world's yeah. post-christian and it's oh jesus came from humble beginnings um so that that's not all what was expected what do you expect out of slytherin you expect evil wizards who are like ambitious jesus was <laughs> ambitious he was He was ambitious for souls for father's he will was. to do the father's, for the father's yes, will, for father's will. Okay. And, and so so I would go that route, and of okay. course he would be all good and all. So he would again. He has all the he, he has all, houses. all the characteristics. It's all houses, and yeah. the Sorting Hat would want to be sorted by Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Say that. Sort me, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sort, sort me. me, Lord. Sort me, Lord. <laughs> sort me, Lord. I'm well, I'm wondering if anything that what we're saying is not is a, is a British idiomatically not so fun. And not so oh, oh no, I don't think like, so. Get I, sorted. I don't know TV. if that's a, like anyway. Sorry, like, that's funny. Well, that not Mac. Like, get your ish Please together. I think <laughs> if that's an idiomatic thing. And Jesus is relentless. He's uh, relentless, and he pursues us at all costs. Mm. All costs. Mm. There's no nothing he wouldn't do for us. Um, that we would be with him. So, so yeah, if he wasn't a Gryffindor, mm-hmm. I, I, I would see him as Slytherin. Yeah, Reckless Love yeah. is a Slytherin song. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, he did not just say that. Wow. There's nothing that would be nothing. Love, the song it. of the Slytherin. Well, look at the lyrics. A Slytherin would sing. Yeah, sing that in powerful tongue. I, oh, yeah. Dang. And he was going to say, Slytherins do speak parcel tongue. You know, Jesus speaks a tongue. I mean, it's not fire. I mean, yeah, yeah, it speaks all the time. Straight, straight fire. On that note, actually, I have another question. We're going to hop to. So, whenever we talk about Jesus in a different universe, we talk about how he came down to save whatever creatures, whatever beings are in that universe. Uh, in this world, it's not just the muggles and the wizards. Uh, in this world, we have all these various magical creatures that interact with um, the humans in different ways. Um, some are more uh, vocal than others. Some speak English. Some speak in their own language as a creature. Uh, and so do do all these magical creatures have souls that need to be saved by Jesus as well? Or is it only some? And in your point of view, what then is the distinction between which creatures have souls and which do not? So we're thinking like goblins, centaurs, unicorns, giant spiders, magical cars, <laughs> dragons. Magical cars are objects, therefore don't have sentience. Yes. Miscellaneous. No. Miscellaneous. Because no. well, the enchanted car I've had this discussion before, and I'm almost positive even to bring up St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and, and, you know, and the rational soul. Um, if, would this creature, can this creature choose the good? Freely choose the good? Can this creature love? Mm-hmm. Can this creature... Um, fast you know or is or if you put food Mm. before this creature will it you know if it's hungry will it just eat the food um Mm -hmm. so i think i I think (laughs) sorry you would you would be able to kind of determine you know maybe probably the centaurs but not Mm -hmm. the pixies you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like um Probably the mer people, and I guess the goat. You know, the, you know the ghost, the the go, the house ghost, the Hufflepuff is the fat friar. You know, so <laughs> we could always we we could always go to him too if you have the, these questions. Um, don't don't they have don't they celebrate Christmas? They do at they Easter. Do we'll get to that. Uh, I don't I don't know if we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> they call it Boxing Day sometimes too. So Jesus, that's the day after Christmas, Boxing Day. Huh. Um, but yeah, but I, I think in terms of souls, I would figure out can can these can these people or creatures, um, well, they they persons. So right. can they love? Can they love? Can they choose the good? Morally choose the good? Yeah, that's what I was going off of too. Because when I was thinking about this question, I was my first thought was, oh wait a minute, we talked about this. But at the same time, I was also thinking like, you know, the additional note of like. Um, that act that animals act willingly, and then they act on the form of survival versus those who those creatures who have reason and logic, right? And so, like, I think it would have to kind of be on a case by case basis, and of course, then intentionality too. Like that person would want to be saved, right? Like we or that creature would want to be saved. So, like the goblins. Ah! They want money. Maybe if we can, you know, evangelize them to understand that there's more than wealth in Gringotts, uh, you know, that's different versus like a like 
what's a good one? Like a unicorn. Like a unicorn doesn't necessarily have that kind of like logic or like sentience in that respect that I've seen. We, I could easily be corrected one day, but as, as of current canon, like it's kind of that headspace of, you know, well, if we're choosing, if we're going, pulling off of the St. Thomas Aquinas headspace, we have to remember that it's animals act on survival versus those with sentience who work on choice and that that choice has to be free, even if it's a garbage choice. So yeah, I think that's what I'm going with. Um, I'm also in agreement with the whole Thomas Aquinas because the when I when I thought about the question, the first thing that popped in my head was this conversation I had with Father Raj, and I don't know how many people are gonna who listen are gonna be very sad when I say this, but. I remember on Mother's Day, I was just like, oh, I'm also a mom because I'm a dog mom. And he's like, no, um, unfortunately, doesn't work that way. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And I think I also asked him, I was like, you know, as a kid, I was always told that dogs go to heaven. And he was like, ooh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like. They only got temporary Yeah, toys. and I was like, so so you mean to tell me when I go to heaven, I'm not going to see Ollie? And he was just like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, oh, my heart hurts. I'm so sad. And and like, um, so when like that question came up, that's what I thought of. I got sad for a second because I was like, man, I got reminded that my dog's not going to be in heaven. But um, it is just like, you know, um, things have to have free will um, and to be able to like, again, to choose between good um, or bad and there are some of the animals that can't like um so my favorite is a hypocrite um i just like the play on words plus also i love bud beak um so i think oh hippogriff hippogriff Hippogriff. sorry sorry. hippogriff you you said hippocrite i'm like that's a creature (laughs) oh Oh, hippogriff sorry but i mean when i heard it i thought of hippocrite so then that's why I i was that's why i remember it but yeah so um that's my favorite character i think it's cute and like but i also like the fact that um because of the what i thought was the play on words was because when hagrid describes it it says that he's he is prideful and that he um you need to bow before you can come up to him because you know he doesn't like so like it's a certain characteristic about the creature of itself um but the thing is that creature is just always going to be that way you always need to bow every time you see him um that he needs to have this relationship with you but like when he gets thrown a ferret he's going to eat it because that's what he wants but um but we unfortunately can't make a decision like oh yeah i'm gonna go ahead and go onto the side of good or evil like i feel like if like voldemort went up to him he could probably just take him he's just like oh cool he's feeding me ferrets like that's fine um and then he totally forgets about Hagrid and so um that's like the way that I was like thinking about it is just in that sense um centaurs maybe because they're like half but at the same time like the centaurs that I remember from when I again like when I watched the movies when um they took umbrage they were super bad and like they're like just not for what she was doing to the environment of Hogwarts and so I don't I don't know if I remember correctly I don't know if there could be like a fact check a fact fact checked but like that they're just angry in general or i don't know if it's only they get mad when their environment and their home is in distress or in destruction um so i just what i understood was that they just are not that friendly of creatures and so like that was kind of like their thing and i don't know maybe that's the animal instinct because they are half i think half human half um horse was it or something um and so, yeah, so like that, I don't know if it's like 
Wait, centaur? Wait, I'm talking about a centaur. Oh, centaur. centaur. I thought we were talking about Buckbeak. So. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, not human. No. <laughs> 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 okay, <laughs> but sorry, the, the centaurs. Um, so I don't yeah. know if it's because they're half human, half like horse, that the animal instincts takes over some of the things that they of their decision making. As to the reason why I was thinking that like what happened with Umbridge, that that was what their thoughts were because of. Um, I think of like bears and like when you, you don't mess with a mama bear's son or like kid because they're going to mess you up. So that's why I was thinking about it in that way. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a random thought, but yeah. They, they all said that what I would, I would say, and I, I, I and I'm particularly, um, you know, cause I think also like similar to the whole Narnia kind of universe, like a lot of those animals have the kind of sentience that could be construed as, you know, able to be saved and go to heaven. Um, but it was always through like, you know, they had, they have a special regard for the sons and daughters of Adam. And so similar idea, I think is like anything with a rash, like a, a person with a rational nature and, and a bodily nature. So that's why I think Jesus, for example, uh, you know, if aliens existed, I would try to evangelize to them. In fact, on some level, I would think that they would know about Jesus just by having watched from afar. And if they landed, they'd be wearing crucifixes. But that's just me. So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, we're big fans. Big fans of your work. <laughs> Watching from afar. <laughs> that actually brings me to another question that I actually skipped over um, for good reason, because it works out here better. Um, what would preaching in the universe of Harry Potter look like what would preaching about god look like like would would they be preaching um to centaurs would they preach be preaching would there be a class in hogwarts about it uh think about it for a second um how would christianity look in the world the wizarding world of harry potter i think with um hogwarts being a state-run secular school i don't think they would have (laughs) things about i think it would be a history thing maybe be part of the muggle studies yeah muggle studies Muggle religions, yeah, I guess. yeah. I mean, that would make sense. They celebrate Christmas. They celebrate Easter. Um, they have the Fat Friar. So why can't you? They be Catholic as well. Um, yeah, I don't see why not. And but I'll, yeah. then, then then Hogwarts is more insidious than I thought because <laughs> because they, they they have all that stuff and then they ain't got no prayer in schools. What is this? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good point. He does make a good point. I mean, we we celebrate. I mean, in public school, you can say Christmas. Can you? I'm sure the fryer is somewhere doing vespers and occasionally. Well, I remember saying Christmas at UC Berkeley at some point. I said the word Christmas. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Students can say Christmas at school. No, they they say yeah. They say winter break, Easter break. No, it's 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 Christmas. Yeah, it's Easter. And if I recall, Hogwarts gets Holy Week and Easter week off. <laughs> well, I mean, they do it to go coincide with with Easter, with Holy Week. Um, however, I will you're right, you're to right. answer your question. Um, I think it would be actually more difficult to, um, at least, to evangelize in the wizarding world because if you take a look at magic as basically a form of technology. If, if magic mm-hmm. is technology and the more of that you have, 
Um, I don't. I, I think the 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 less God, I think is is pushed pushed out. I mean, like as technology grows in in our world, um, it seems to be that we just have more to occupy our time, more to be quote unquote explanations for things, um, as opposed to looking to the divine but I'll, I'll i'll touch based on this a little later when we talk about the kind of christian illusions and such in the story but i think it would be difficult um the catechesis however might be a little easier because there'd be more um more things at your disposal mm. like you could go back in history and see mm -hmm. it all happen mm -hmm. at mass you could have like the last supper in the background right like Imagine like being and oh well, I was I was envisioning more things like to be to stay connected to build relationships, mm -hmm. more avenues to get the um the catechetical teaching out there, you know, to students. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what that's what I was thinking. I wasn't I wasn't envisioning. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking a little more magical than you, right? Isn't, like, isn't like, time travel, like, strictly monitored? Yes. In there? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is in there. You also can't I think, and you can only scene. go back so far, right? Like in That's true. So I, I do appreciate, going off from mm. that point, from, from, yeah, okay, so the catechesis could be easy because we have all these different avenues to do it. Um, the culture aspect may be harder because in the same way that we have all this technology that distracts us from Christianity, from religion, from faith, from God, um, they have this wizarding world. They have magic that, that would be distracting from an idea of God. It's like, well, I can make all these happen at, all these things happen at the, like, like, like at, with all these words, <laughs> I give it all these things happen with a couple words and my wand. Like, why do I need to believe in a God? Um, and so if we remember back in the day, there was a point where all like Harry Potter books and everything, any talk of Harry Potter was like banned from like Christian circles, banned from like Catholic circles. And, but after some time, like the, not that the ban lifted or maybe think people stopped talking about it, stopped being such a big deal. It started becoming, well, you know, it's really up to the parents to, to evangelize their kids properly. We can't tell them they can't read it. They're going to read it anyways, you know? Um, so, but it's like, if you look in a lot of Catholic Christian circles, or if you look in any circle, like Harry Potter is such a big part of, of, of people's lives, of people's, of people's cultures. And you know, like I've had conversations with people where like the wizarding world of Harry Potter helped them to really, um, uh, articulate or rediscover parts of their spirituality um, as a Christian, as a Catholic. And so um, for the four of you here, <laughs> I can't count, uh, for the four of you here, uh, what parts of, of Harry Potter have really impacted your life in positive ways? We could say on a spiritual level, we could say on a Catholic level, um, as a human person, um, in terms of, uh, you already talked before Venus about the social justice, um, aspect of, uh, that you've learned and how it's impacted you there. Um, but what ways has Harry Potter, uh, the culture of it, the universe impacted you positively, um, in your spirituality as a human being, so on and so forth. I think as like kind of playing a little bit more off like the original, like what we were mentioning earlier about social justice and stuff like that. I think it also, I came into the books and movies in middle school. So it helped me kind of help the 
in, before I became Christian and eventually Catholic. So it kind of helped me be like, be the primer to my own virtues and morals and what I found important in my life. Um, as I, as you progress in the journey, right. Obviously you start to see Christian themes. You see like sacrifice, you see, you know, friendship, why community is important. You know, you start to see, you know, why love so important, you know, all these other multiple pieces. I think the big thing for me is like when I became Catholic, I think it kind of, it re-illuminated a bit of Harry Potter in a different lens versus a Christian lens or a non-believer lens. I think like, for me, the big thing was just the understanding that there's something bigger than yourself and that there's none like, yeah, you have the wizarding. Yes, you have the wizarding world. Yes, you have the muggle world. But like magic is this kind of. And I know this is a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, some days, you know, it, it to me, some days magic can easily is not just like the physical waving a wand or a spell. It's that counsel. It's that that wisdom you share. It's that, you know, desire to want to help for the greater good or bad, depending on, you know, what, what your alignment is in the day. Right. Um, and, in the day. <laughs> in the, you know, some days we have bad days. I'm just saying, you know, and I think the thing for me is that like it allowed me to see like make me go it, harry potter allowed me to kind of see like where grace is important and that like why christ's grace is so much more important is very important because like you would even think about like like yeah we're, we're talking bad about severus snape here but like let's stop and think about it like if christ had been there to help redeem him and redeem his Imagine what kind of different story it'd have been like too. On top of the fact that you have like, yeah, he eventually does redeem himself differently, but he spent the entirety of the rest of his life lamenting that, you know, and and never being able to fully embrace the grace of like forgiveness mm-hmm. and truly fully embracing all redemption and all that good fun stuff. And I think it just kind of helped me see where Christ could have easily like just been interjected. I also, and this might be a little borderline heretical, so correct me if I'm wrong. I always, for a long time, until I got older and learned about St. Thomas Aquinas, thought that like magic was a form of the extension of the Holy Spirit. And now obviously St. Thomas Aquinas says, no, that's not how it works. Cause I can't have lightsabers for the same argument. But Well, well lightsabers <laughs> is technology and that's something else. Well, you can yeah. have your lightsaber. I can have my lightsaber. <laughs> I just can't force push anything. Yeah. Okay, I know what. <laughs> no, no, sorry, sorry, my bad. Didn't mean to cross over there. But like you know that that manifestation of mad of power, right? That comes from within. It's not something you just you know. It's not like it is not like turning on a lightsaber person. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just kind of for a long time. It helped me go. Oh well, that's what the Holy Spirit looks like. Kinda, kinda, kinda. Obviously mm. older now, and it don't work like that. But until you find out that the force in Star Wars is basically a way to promote eugenics, by anyways. I know. <laughs> Don't even go. No. <laughs> my soul. Trust me, my soul. Thanks, St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> oh, you're looking. Oh, the midichlorian theory of the force. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> uh, whatever. Sorry if that went past the audience, but look it up, anyways. Continue, Venus. Um. So I think that's. Overall, I think as, as, you know, in my journey, it's been able to see how, you know, where magic easily can be transformed into the faith, the divine versus what is human, the, 
the good versus the bad and all the fun stuff in between that. Um, and who's that future episode? Hey, <laughs> I want to get on that episode. Holla. I'm just kidding. We've been thinking about Star Wars for a long time, but that's just like a lot of research on like canon. So much films. unpacking. I understand. <laughs> so it's just like how is it affected us in a positive right, way, right? Okay. Um. So I don't. I wanted to get all sad or whatever, but like I'm just. I'll just be honest. Uh, <laughs> so I I grew up and like my parents fought all the time so it was really hard to just kind of be around the environment I'm also the youngest and I'm 16 years apart between my brothers so they were out and about living their lives I was home and I had to deal with like constants like fights and so even though they didn't buy me the books I appreciated the fact that we had cable to watch ABC Family (laughs) and that when Harry Potter was on I was just shut out of everything else that was happening in my life. And I was just like, yes, I like, it was a dream to just go to Hogwarts. Like I was waiting till the day I would turn 11 to get a letter. <laughs> and so it was just a way to, in a way to escape from my reality and what was going on. Because again, like I was little and like my brothers weren't around often to kind of explain what was going on with my parents and stuff. There's also the difference in, um, cultures because I was born in the States. They all immigrated here from Nicaragua. So there's also the difference of just how they just do life. So I always wanted to understand or at least to be explained what was happening around me. But it's it's always like machismo. Like we don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about anything that happens. Like we're going to fight in front of you, but we're not going to tell you why. And so um, I escaped and I went and I went basically to the wizarding world and I, I always watched it. I loved when um, the 31 days of Halloween came or the 25 days till Christmas on ABC family came on. Cause they just played a whole marathon about it. And it was always so great to just be like, okay, on my Christmas break, I actually can kind of take a break and watch Harry and Ron and Hermione go on this adventure of like, that unfortunately isn't real, but like it felt real to me. Um, and so you know, growing up and like understanding that and like to see the way that they had in relationships, I kind of understood more about the value in friendship a lot, as cheesy as that sounds. But um, I did realize that like, you know, community is important, um, that you do need people to be there with you around the journey. And I had friends and like a lot of my friends actually didn't like Harry Potter, which was sad, but I, the fact that I grew a relationship anyways, and they accepted that I liked Harry Potter, like, Blue your friends. Well, they they accept me for what I am and like even though they don't like it, they buy me Harry Potter related gifts for my birthday and or and like they, they're actually Muslim, so they don't celebrate Christmas, but they know that I do. So they kind they're kind enough to even buy me like Christmas gifts when it comes around of Harry Potter related because they know how much it means to me. Um mm. and so I like understand that value of friendship and how important it is because like with Harry Potter, having those friendship, I was able to just kind of get through the crappy days that I would have at home. And like, you know, it also helped me not choose a bad route to escape my um, discomfort and my brokenness Mm -hmm. at my home. So um, honestly, if I didn't have Harry Potter, I don't, I honestly don't want to know what choice of a um, numbness I would have picked I'm glad it was three young teens <laughs> or like preteens trying to figure out what the heck is going on and why there's this evil guy trying to follow Harry and the reason why he has a scar. So um, 
Harry Potter means a lot, even though it's the movies, but I'll let y'all know my different perspective once I finish the books. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all that. Like, I, I really appreciate you sharing all those things. Um, so much love to you, Vilma. Mm-hmm. Venus just put up a heart for those who can't see because <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> But yeah, like that's that's the beautiful part about this, like the world of Harry Potter. You you hear so many stories and like testimonies of people who just like feel saved in a way um, from this world of Harry Potter, being able to escape in this world, being able to know that there's something bigger than themselves, and and finding hope in that, finding hope that there's a bigger fight than than little things going on on a daily basis. So it's just, it's really beautiful that it impacted your life in that way. Um, it's a beautiful thing to note because that's just that's what that's why this Harry Potter culture has been so big. It's like it's not just because the writing is amazing or that the movies are so magical, but also that that love that it inspires. Right. Um, and so like as Christians, as Catholics, for any person, like it's something that's that we can we can take with us is there's something bigger than ourselves that love can empower us to do great things um, and that we have to speak for other people, fight for other people. Um, fight with other people not what, not with but like <laughs> fight for the same thing with other alongside other people <laughs> out of love right um and so anyone else like to share um first i want to like uh kind of touch a, to kind of comment on what venus was saying uh a little earlier um about the role of magic um in the story as well as in our lives um you know, I, I kind of made the case earlier that magic as a form of technology, um, but that magic that kind of comes within you, I guess one could see that as a charism. And, you know, and if it were kind of in this world, it, you know, it may be a some sort of charism of the Holy Spirit. And if it is a charism, then by, by definition, uh, it's meant for the building up of the kingdom. So these people who have these particular, you know, however it's manifested and from whence it comes, um, these particular abilities, these particular gifts, they're to use it for the building up of the kingdom, for the good. Um, anyway, just your, your kind of discussion mm-hmm. on it, it, it reminded me of that. Um, but how these books and these movies and the series has impacted my life is is first of all, it's brought me and my, my my family, particularly my sister, closer together. And Vilma, when you're talking about like watching the ABC Family Marathon, I love those. And I've made <laughs> many, many fun hours on the couch with a blanket, usually with a you know cup of hot tea, and me and my sister just kind of going rewatching you know all these movies which we watched already a, a, you know a hundred times before um but also the you know also the books gave us a way to grow closer together um in our family i remember taking my sister at midnight to our local like independent bookshop to wait in line and to get the book when it was released that we had pre-ordered a couple of weeks before um along with a whole other people. Um, my sister used to throw, um, you know, Build-A-Bear? Build-A-Bear, and you, if you ever went to Build-A-Bear, you oh, make yeah. this bear, you kind of like start the heart and you fill it and you give it a name and you get a little birth certificate. So um, she would have birthday parties for her for her Build-A-Bear every year. 
And one year she did a Harry Potter so themed birthday party Aww. for her bear, whose name whose name was Brittany, Brittany Brisey. I think Ian. I, I remember this. I was there. I was at that party. Were you, were you your sister's furry friend? Because you had to bring a furry friend to this party. Yeah, I think I was my sister. I, she brought me. I was the furry friend. Yeah, you were the <laughs> furry friend. I, we played Quidditch. Um, yeah. Were you we in the Quidditch? The yeah. yeah, I sorted them. No. We played Quidditch in the backyard, um, and I remember uh, reading the. Uh, my sister and I, we would take turns. I think it was um, what Half Blood Prince is that the one with Professor Umbridge? No, Order of the Phoenix. When she comes to the, Order the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. Order. Yeah, sorry. We, we yeah. read Order of the Phoenix together out loud. So like we were like I don't know. I think she was in high school. I was either in college or in grad school at the time. Um, and we would just sit at night, like, right, you know, at nighttime before bed, just taking turns. Like, we would read a chapter. She would read it. I would read a chapter. She would read a chapter. Um, those were, like, you know, those those were moments that kind of really, like, helped build the relationship in my family, particularly between me and my sister. So, um, so yeah, but in terms of my kind of out view in the world or spirituality. I like to go to like what, um, who was it? J.R.R. Tolkien wrote an essay on fairy stories. And in which he says that fairy stories, one might say fantasy genre, fantasy stories, you know, they, the value that they have is that they help us. Um, uh, he, he, he listed three and very quickly. They are recovery, escape and consolation. Um, but, you know, and you also kind of take a look at what, um, brother Chesterton, what Chesterton said in his, uh, in his commentary on Elfland in the book Orthodoxy, where he, he talks about the value of Elfland, of Fairyland. Um, and, and he says that the value of it, it's not that it's meant to tell us that dragons are real. We know that dragons are real. Elfland tells us that they can be defeated. Similarly, Tolkien, in his essay that I referenced, he, he talks about these, these fairy stories as he describes it as um, cleaning a window that, you know, that we, that we could see reality more clearly. And ironically enough, we do it through the lens of fantasy and imagination that we could actually see the true uh, the good and the beautiful more clearly, because when he says about when he talks about escape, it's not necessarily um, an escape from this world, but an escape from the illusions of this world so that we could actually go into what's what's actually real. Thank you for that comment, John, because it reminds me of so I. In grad school, I took a comic sci-fi fantasy class where we talked about um, re religion and theology Ooh, through comics yes. and sci-fi and fantasy. Um, and so we're, we were all from different areas in our life. Like there was there was a pagan witch in our class. There was a, a, a Shinto Buddhist. There was some Lutherans. There was some Episcopalians. Um, there was some um, Hindu classmates in that class. And there was only two Catholics and um, only two people of color. And it was the two Catholics. Uh, and so the other Catholic in that crew, our project was to do a podcast. And I love her. She's great. She's such a J.R. Tolkien fan. That's what her thesis is going to be on. Um, she is a Latina Catholic. Her name's Susan. And she just raves about J.R. Tolkien. And and we, we were talking in the bathroom and we we're talking about 
um, this this question of like looking at comic sci-fi fantasy was that what, like how does that impact our spirituality um, positively? And we we're talking about like especially in like the world of Harry Potter specifically or like other things like you you learn about these worlds of magic, and because you grow up on these worlds of magic, um, it lends itself for you to believe um, these quote unquote it's not magical but these quote unquote magical things that is spirituality that is the Catholic Church that is transubstantiation that is um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit all these things like because we 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 are nerds <laughs> in these comic sci-fi worlds it lends our minds to be able to stretch and like truly believe um that 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 god is god and that god is in the eucharist and that um the holy spirit is around us you know um and so that's a conversation that we have often um when we're looking at these like worlds of fantasy um and and sci-fi that that those things stretch our minds to to be able to understand all that uh, and to be able to really become attached to those things and let those things encompass our lives and engage with those things um, within our spirituality and religion. I'd also like to add one additional piece that I think that we all kind of not realized we're all connecting together. Um, Harry Potter teaches us accompaniment. Um, I think mm. that, especially when we're talking about the accompaniment of like, when we're talking in evangel in ways of evangelization, right? Like we follow Harry and the fam all the way to the end, no matter what that end looks like. Although we do know what the end looks like, right? But like, mm. and if you read the plays, you know what the extended ending looks like. But anyway, like <laughs> the, the, but the point is, is we learn to accompany that way. Like we follow them mm -hmm. all the way. And, and at the end, that's where we're sad at the end because it's like their journey's over. We've reached the destination, fam. Oh man, what do we do now? Right. And that's not, a, but that's how we should be evangelizing is we should be accompanying our brothers and sisters. So they get to Christ. And when they get to Christ, Hey, sweet. Mm -hmm. Now what do we do? We keep accompanying because yeah. we're going to continue the journey. Now you, now you got to live it. We go backwards in time to fantasy exactly. beats. Well, I mean, you know, obviously a little bit better in timeline than, <laughs> than J.K. Rowling, but you know, we're not gonna, you know, that makes sense. But but the but the essence is still the same, right? Like that, mm. and, and I've noticed that, and this is just something maybe I don't know. I won't I won't pass a judgment like this, but I will just kind of throw this out there. I've met a lot of people who and and Catholics who've not read Harry Potter and struggle with accompaniment. Because they don't understand mm. the process that is required. You get to know these people. You get to see their deepest fears. You get to be vulnerable with them. And you and they with you, right? And, and that's a lot mm. of like how Harry Potter is for a lot of us. We have the sense of community and the love and the, the pain and the loss and insert all the emotions here because I'm pretty sure you go through the entire gambit by your time you're done. Movies or books. Movies <laughs> or books here. I'll make sure I put yeah, both in here. Both. Movies, books, articles, fan fiction. All of it. You feel the it. whole gambit, right? <laughs> and that's how evangelization, evangelization should be like, right? We should know the people we are growing with. We should know the people who we are leading to heaven alongside us. Not necessarily leading, but, you know, walking with. I apologize. I mean, yeah. Road to Emmaus. Like, we're, we're journeying exactly. with them. And we shouldn't stop at, like, the minor inconveniences or obstacles. Like, those are the things that grow our bonds versus keep us from yeah. continuing. So that's pretty much i think there's a piece that harry potter and and you know also i'll i'll go even further j jr tolkien does this too um narnia does this too a lot of similar family 
a lot of books in the similar family, the what I call the what you read after Harry Potter <laughs> collections, right? <laughs> follow the same kind of journey, right? It's the same kind of headspace. So you still get that learning to accompany the characters just as you would accompany a friend. One last question. One last time. Okay. Uh, what parts, scenes, themes of Harry Potter universe remind you of Catholicism or religiousness? in general. Sean, I think you had. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, first of all, you know, the, a lot of this kind of universe, you know, the author draws from very medieval British kind of thoughts and, you know, and Catholic thoughts, particularly um, her use of animals. I think there were these things called uh, bestiaries which were these these books um, in the Middle Ages, which kind of, you know, was like a glossary of all the different animals and animals that they thought that existed and they thought existed and um, their particular characteristics and usually how, you know, their kind of their symbolism and their kind of moral um, and the Catholic liturgical viewpoint in this Catholic world, in this Catholic imagination. Um, so, like... Ian, you had the doe as your patronus. And um, I learned that in these bestiaries, uh, stags were like the enemies of snakes. It was said that um, stags would like spit or like put water in like the hole of a snake or something like that too. And then when the snake comes out, it would trample it. But all these, like the, the, you have the imagery of the phoenix of death and resurrection uh the eagle the uh, the griffin the lion all those kind of royal jesus kind of imagery uh, but but going back on snakes you know that that fight scene in what was it um chamber of secrets fighting the basilisk right you're you're taking this kind of you know, and and the chamber of secrets is below, is in below the castle, and you're kind of going, you're going deeper, right? You're you're kind of going beyond the the facade, what's what's clearly visible. You go deeper, and you see that there's this battle going on, um, and you know, obviously in in biblical, you know, in scripture, you know, snakes are are an imagery of evil of the devil and you're you know, you have this battle with this giant snake this basilisk and and this phoenix comes bringing uh bringing the sword of uh of gryffindor and this sword is like the cross and how the cross triumphs over evil um there's this beautiful imagery of um the Protoevangelium, <laughs> and if you, Protoevangelium, big word means first gospel, refers to this particular scene in the book of Genesis, um, where God says, "I put enmity." He's speaking to the saying, "I put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and yours. Um, uh, he will uh, strike at your head; you will strike at his heel." Right when he's kind of foreshadowing, it's called the Protoevangelium, the first gospel, or the first good news because that's the very first time that we see god point god says i will even though you sin i will not abandon you you are 
you will always be my children. I will always love you. And as such, I will send a savior. So he's foreshadowing Our Lady, foreshadowing um, the Incarnation. And, and you, so you Google Protoevangelium, and there's this image of Jesus' feet. And the nail which pierces Jesus' feet also pierces the head of a snake to the cross. So we see in that, that epic scene uh, in the Chamber of Secrets, in that epic battle, you see... Not only this kind of wider good and evil, light and darkness, but truly this kind of Christian imagery of, of the cross, of even, even Harry's own willing to sacrifice for, to save, to save Ginny. So you, I think in all the series, to me, that stands out as the most kind of with, with Christian imagery. Mm. Wow. Thank you for that, Sean. Deep super thorough and eye-opening because i'm not i didn't think about all that <laughs> why and there's also our lady and love you know and harry's mom mm -hmm. anyway but we won't get into that yeah anyone else i'm like i don't know how to say anything after all that that was like how good it was i'm like i, I don't know I put John last. <laughs> I, I could go because I that could be its own like, podcast you know not just an episode it's a whole, uh, whole podcast you're gonna yeah. talk about love and yes. and death and use an accompaniment and justice yeah um i hear a coup coming in <laughs> every time i host i'm like i hear a coup coming in <laughs> <laughs> new podcast <laughs> but i mean this is not the last time we're going to talk about harry potter on this channel <laughs> not matt said you want your own show sean sean DeSalle. Hey, oh. <laughs> oh i also think like to um like i mean and, and velma touched a lot of bit on it on just the like the human like level of everything and I think it's just the the growing up piece because again, like I grew up, like most of, most Harry Potter fans come to it in their mid year, middle school teen years, <laughs> right? Most, not all. Uh, there are some adult homies who come to the game, and that's good. That's good too. But like, you know, and and this is movies and or books, so this doesn't necessarily matter which like break up or genre or whatever, or which venue, excuse me, you go through. But I think it's just that growing up journey i think a lot of us especially those of us who started young at any point in the journey would just like yeah i totally understand what this like 14 year old kid is experiencing right now and i think sometimes we and maybe this is and, and there are many communities and cultures where having like processing those feelings and having those experiences is hard right and so i appreciate harry like i appreciate jk rowling for kind of allowing like us to kind of have that learn how to not only like de to decompress and to unpack because there are y'all can attest to this there are pages of like deep thoughts harry will have at any point in the journey and you'll be like why did i need to read five pages of that of his like well okay this is how i feel about this and this is this and this is that and i go i still don't get it but now as an adult i look back and i go huh they were teaching me to, to decompress they were teaching me to decompartmentalize they were teaching me to cope that's a big one. Cope, you know, and to feel in certain cases. So that's definitely a big theme of the Harry Potter universe that kind of like not only like life in general, but then Catholicism too, because mm -hmm. the catechism teaches us how to cope, 
how to pray, how to teach, how to learn, how to evangelize, what we should be praying for, why we should be praying, all those additional pieces. It, can we continue to grow up as well? When I was like, as I'm thinking about like the themes of Catholicism, um, I know that Sean mentioned it very briefly, but like Lily and Mary, I thought it very much of the characters and how each of the characters have aspects where I can think of God or Mary or Joseph or like really like any of the saints. Um, but like Lily and like her love for Harry and that she sacrificed herself for Harry to continue living. And I think of Mary and how much she loved God. And though, even though she knew that he, um, you know, his fate was that he was going to die on the cross and stuff like she loved him and supported him and everything that he did. I don't know. Like I, I feel like the characters, like I see Ron and then I think of um, Hermione and like how worried she gets about Harry. And then I think of God and how he gets worried about like our souls and that he wants the best for us and that he wants to be able to be part of that journey. My relationship with God is very different <laughs> of how when I think about Catholicism, how I have that personal relationship, because when I think of God, I do think of like a friend and I do think of like, you know, me and him are besties and that um, if he was here, like in person, like I would assume that, of course, when I sin, he would be worried for my own soul and he would be like, yo, like, why are you doing this? Like, this isn't OK. Or if I do something bad or if I fall, he's like, hey, you can get back up again. And I feel like that in relationship with Hermione, that um, like she worries about Harry and for his good being and that she's just like. I'm concerned that you're doing this. Um, and she's like, I understand that this may be necessary. And she's like, but I need to voice my concern as your friend. Hmm. Um, and so hmm. like, I see that in like different characters. I also see like Mary and Mrs. Weasley and like, she's like, you ain't going to touch my baby, <laughs> like to the Bellatrix. <laughs> and like, I can feel that, like, you know, I, like when I think of Mary again, like I would imagine for her to be very mama bear like especially when jesus was a child even when he was like gone to the temple she was like freaked out and she was just like where is my child like where is he but obviously he's just kind of like where would you think i am and she's like okay like with her patience but um when i think of catholicism in the world of harry potter i think of every character has like some aspect that i can relate to and like relations of like who god is and who mary is in my personal relationship to them like i know that it may not seem or it may not be possibly I don't want to say like textbook but I guess like how most people would think about it or at least like theologically like how we're told about it but that's like when I think of Catholicism I think of those like little aspects of like God and like that's how I comprehend um I just want to like clarify because like I don't know like it's gonna um be bad but um like that's just how I see it I just like I see God I mean obviously we have this we see God in everybody and like you know he we are his creation and like we are the image of God so I think of the same thing when I think about the characters um and I just think Mary's awesome and I'm just like if I met her I'm like you is so amazing I'm like you're such a virtuous woman but you're also just like I ain't gonna like I, in my head when I think of her I'm like I don't think you're ever gonna just take being pushed around like you're gonna stand up for what is right because you know the just like the justice that's needed to whatever you see in the world and like she lost her son but yeah she still get she got up every day <clears throat> and still continued to love god and fulfill his will amen to that i'm gonna pull a cheat um i've been listening lately to some catching foxes episodes where apparently gomer has been uh reading the harry potter series and he, i think he just finished but a few things that he brings up which i find very interesting is that J.K. Rowling does not waste anything. Like every little thing, even lines that seem like throwaway lines, 
are fulfilled by the end of the book. And the ones that, and there's some things that are, you won't, you won't find fulfillment till the end of the story. And I think then of, of salvation history, there is no throwaway line. There is no throwaway person. There is no, I mean, it's all, it's interwoven so carefully. They bring this up this idea, then all other kinds of, of, of series, sci-fi or um, sometimes, a lot of times you see this in sci-fi, but uh, or even in some fantasy series, um, the, the main character is like, is the plot. Characters kind of like, okay, they kind of stand in for things. They just move the plot along, okay? Whereas in here, like the characters, they all have a, like the the vast majority of them have, uh, the, are, are three-dimensional characters that have developments where you learn more about their backstory or something. And you see how all of the stories weave together. And then really like, you know, it says that at the last judgment, we will see God's glory uh, known in all of history and how all of these choices weave together to show his will. Um, and so like kind of, yes, of course it's a story. It's a book series. Of course it would, um, you know, it's a one story, but like she, and she writes it really well. Like she writes it to a point where, um, again, nothing is wasted. It, it all finds its fulfillment in the end, much like ourselves, much like, like we won't know the meaning of a, a particular suffering or the meaning of five pages of terrible, angsty thoughts that I'm having. And like, will this ever end? And then later on, there is some kind of glory at the end that I could not have possibly imagined. Um, like, for example, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know how this is kind of tangential, but when I read about it in book seven, and then when I saw it in the last movie where she goes, the, um, I don't quite remember the, the locomotor spell where all the statues activate in Hogwarts. I got, I got so juiced. I was like, yes, like, let's do this. Like, like <laughs> defend, like the home. Like this is how, um, where even, you know, the battlements themselves come alive, right? Like, um, like all these things that kind of work out to like, even these, you know, a statue thing. Oh, it's a statue. Right. But it has a purpose too. It also, it can defend in the magical universe. Um, and the same way that the, our statues of our faith can do the same in the, in the sense of recalling our own faith and bring calling to mind those saints that pray for us and protect us by their intercession. Um, I'm reminded of the vast story of God working through history. Again, this is through a human mind, but I mean, but a lot of her work was genius work. Like she was very humble about it, but some of the stuff like just kind of came to her. Random thing that I find interesting: the the Harry in the books is a lot sassier and like more of an arsehole than in the movies. You just kept it real. That's all that is. If he were from the seven oh seven, that would not have been any different. We'd have been like, "Oh, that's just Harry." Yeah, right? It's like in the movies, he's like timid and shy, but in the books, he's just like bust through doors and it's like mischief maker. And I was just like, "Where that Harry at?" In the movies, exactly. Daniel Radcliffe. Come, come yeah, on, it's come. It's kind of opposite with like it's like it was the opposite with Dumbledore, you know. Yeah. So calm in the, the book. Fire. And then so like fever pitch. Like, what are you? You yell a lot, Michael Gambone's Dumbledore. All right. That is a good time. So we're pushing we're pushing on two hours. So I th- I think it I think it's time 
There's gonna be a part, part there has to be a part there, two. There will be a part two, I'm just sorry. you wait. Or part three, depending on how much content you have to edit. <laughs> sorry, Ethan. Um I do have one I have one one last question. It's like a half question, which leads to some announcements I have to do. Um but one last question. What is your favorite wizarding snack? Butterbeer. Butterbeer every time. Yeah, I've actually had that. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that's what I could. The adult yeah. and the not adult version, or one yeah. of you? <laughs> both. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do some mixology on the side, so or or I mean, you know, chocolate frog's pretty good. Like, I mean, I've had a chocolate a frog chocolate a frog times. Like, what, Never what's finished. not to like? <laughs> you have to get it after it's one last jump. It just has one good jump in it. I like to eat it right when it's jumping. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my snack, I don't really go for the sweet snacks. I prefer the kind of crunchy salty. And I don't know what in the whizzing world is like their version of chips. I mean, they also have British food. It's like culturally British oh, food. Fish and food. chips. <laughs> French fries. Nice. Yes. Chips. I think I saw some banana pudding one time in, a, in like one of the Christmas scenes. The Can we talk about how good that food looked on, also on the, on, on the, in the Great yeah. Hall? Because I'd be like, yeah. yo, listen, I need it's to eat that. So I, forgot, you know, I didn't know that British food I would get good. freshman 15 every year at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Just be 15 every year at Hogwarts. Hogwarts 15. Had another 15. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the reverse of Neville. Like Neville just like leans out. I mean, the other way. <laughs> Y'all got a gym? <laughs> is there a gym? No, they make you it. walk. You know how many stairs is in that place? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. There's so many hallways and oh, stairs. Oh, no. Cardio. <laughs> I just go to Hagrid's all the time. TMS steps in Hagrid. Fitbit's in Hogwarts. Uh, part two. Part two. <laughs> part two. <laughs> Fitbit's in Hogwarts. I, mine would be the jelly bean, but not for me necessarily. I kind of want to, like... Sounds. I just want to like play the game with people and see if one of them would get like earwax or vomit. Uh, yeah, like being boozled, like what it is. Um, so I would want to do that, but obviously, like the flavors are more intense in the wizarding world. So I kind of just like want to see like people's reaction and stuff. But obviously, I I'm pretty sure me doing that would get me someone will get me back, and I'm not excited for that day <laughs> if I do get vomit. <laughs> Every time, like I've seen people do that, that those challenges, and they're like, "Oh, that definitely tastes like that definitely tastes like boogers," and I was just like, "How do you know <laughs> yeah. so fondly what boogers taste like?" Mm. <laughs> Questions. <laughs> so the reason I ask that is because Truly Universal is actually doing a TU binge box giveaway. In our um, Ask Me Anything, we talked about all our favorite snacks, and so this uh, giveaway is a box full of all the core team's favorite snacks. Minus the truly on my part, um, but definitely the hot Cheeto fries. <laughs> You'll get some chicharron and, uh, and microwave popcorn for for Ian's sake. You'll get some green tea Kit Kats that are truly in our, our truly baby intern um, picked up from Japan Town. <laughs> so all those things. So uh, let's check. Uh, look out for a post. It should be up by the time this episode is up. Uh, go for the giveaway. Um, really simple instructions are on our Instagram. Check it out so you can snack like we do when we're doing podcasts. Uh, and also, 
if you thoroughly enjoyed Venus as much as I did and we all did in this room, Venus also has a podcast that you could you should check out. So Venus, you want to talk about that real quick? Sure. Um, I run alongside a mutual friend of um, Truly Universals or mutual sister, I guess you could say, uh, Lynn Solano. We run a podcast called The Nerdy Epistles. It is, imagine Truly Universal, but even deeper. Um, we will take a, um, we take a, we take a topic and we just go deeper with it and pull out as much theology as possible, as much scripture as possible, saints, you name it, we're going. Um, and we are currently up available on Spotify and anywhere you get your podcast, except Apple, we're working on that. They're, they're a little complicated, hmm. but um, any other way you get your podcast, feel free to, to hit us up. Um, and we're just going to keep growing and glowing. And I know some of y'all I'm, I'm looking forward to doing collabs with too. So this will be, this is just the beginning friends. Just the beginning. Just, just you wait. Just you wait. What, are, what would our collab name be? Uh, Nerdy Universal, Truly Epistles. <laughs> I know, right? Because I was thinking, because you guys are TU and we are TNE. And there's that Last of Us collab coming soon. No, that's later in in August because we're gonna meet up with a brother, a future friend, um, of the uh, a fellow friend of True Universal, also JP, and we're gonna talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gonna be fun and dark. So stay tuned. Yeah, we love JP, the Godfather of Hamilton and Tumblr. Yes, and all those. Things. Oh man, he's. Oh man, we're gonna have a good time. The other JP. The other JP. Yes. The, the JP we like. Uh, oh, come oh, on. We love them both. We love them both. Wow. Uncalled for. You're making more dramatic than it has to. You just going. Uh, oh, I heard that last bit of the AMA when I left. <laughs> like, I listened uh, to it. <laughs> no, he's not. He left. Um, Sean DeSalle was also in a, some fan, a fam, a family fed bread episode. So check that out. Um, obviously, me and Ian are core team members on this. Um, see more of Velma in the future. Um, I can come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. We're gonna Next come. time we do a, a round of Harry Potter, the, we're, it's definitely going to be the same people. I passed the audition. Wait, I didn't even know I was auditioning. <laughs> I know. This tops Sean's Hufflepuff speech no, in a donut no, show. No, that, that is, that will <laughs> never <laughs> Shut that down. Oh, it did, because I saw it today. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. Like this, this was so fun. Like I would have kept going for another couple hours, but I know like we all have things to do. Media and start um, teaching again tomorrow morning, eight thirty on the dot. Good for you. Uh, Prayers to so, you. Yes. Thank go you team so go. much. Um, but thank you, the three of you, for coming in. It was real. It was so fun. I just uh, complete. I appreciated every single one of your comments. Um, the way that you all think it's just so unique each of you brought something really amazing to the conversation about harry potter and i'm so excited for the next time we meet together Um, but it's about that time so from everyone here at truly universal thank you so much for listening to us talk about harry potter um thank you for uh welcoming our guests i assume you're welcoming them your audience because you don't really gauge uh thank you for welcoming our guests and thank you guests for coming in um so for one last time I'm Meg. I'm Ian. Vilma. Venus. Sean. And this is Truly Universal. Thank you. Good night. Truly Universal is a production of Urban Picks. All things to all. Theme song by Demi Guevara. Audio production by Ethan Coe. And outro song by Chris Kabilis. You can find all of our content on our website, 
www.urbanpix.com slash truly universal. Please like and subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to contact us, send us an email at trulyuniversal at urbanpix.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.